The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. You. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman joins us with FC Stone. And Arlen, as we look at what's happening market-wise, we had some outside market influences today. We're going to start out with this dollar. As you mentioned early on, some early pressure for the dollar. We saw a bit of a rise. It didn't last long, but it sure left its mark on the way the markets traded today. It really did. Now, in 2017, we didn't see the typical inverse correlation when the dollar rallies commodities under pressure and vice versa. But 2018 has been a much different story. We really saw that play out today. Overnight, uh, we saw the dollar generally weaker. Uh, Then we had some inflation data come out at 7.30 and uh, suggesting stronger inflation than expected at the consumer level, and the dollar surged. And when that happened, we immediately saw a sell-off in many of the commodities, uh, the dollar-denominated commodities, those that are priced in dollars. That included crude oil, that included corn, soybeans, and wheat. All of them immediately sank lower. Later in the day, uh, around 10 o'clock Central Time, we saw some additional data coming out which measured business expectations of inflation a year down the road, and it really hadn't changed. They're still looking for about 2% inflation. And when that came out, the dollar fell back once again, and as that happened, money started flowing back into not just the commodities but the stock market as well. And uh, throughout, the, throughout that time, corn and soybeans had been trying to be resilient um, but when the dollar broke on that data at mid-morning, that really helped reinforce the grains, particularly soybeans with corn hung in there as well. And so we did see a benefit from that. You know, that stock market of earlier this week has caused for some concerns within the livestock and grain complex. And we get so focused on what our grain commodities are doing and what our livestock commodities are doing. Sometimes we forget about that stock market picture and how it can really affect our trade. And one of the things that I watch is the VIX. That's the Wall Street Sphere Index. And uh, historically, it used to always trade around 20. That's kind of a measure of the amount of fear on Wall Street, and it would sit around 20 for a reference point. And as I've studied it, whenever it would trade above 30, it's difficult for any asset to sustain a rally unless that asset, commodity, whatever it be, uh, has a fundamental bullish story, a strong fundamental story, and then it can. Uh, and we've certainly seen this month where the VIX has surged higher and traded as high as 52 at one point earlier this month. Uh, but today it dropped back below 20. It had been slowly making its way back down, and today it traded below 20. And as, the, as that happened, we saw the funds be more confident in starting to build some ownership once again in the grains. Wheat really didn't participate in that today with a chance of rain in the southern plains. We don't expect it to uh, uh, to turn into much in the way of relief, unfortunately. Um, but the trade was being cautious on that. But corn and soybeans, we certainly did see it. Traders are a little bit more willing to continue the rally, especially in soy meal and soybeans, with the VIX pulling back down and, and that fear factor easing and accompanied by a weaker dollar as well. Arlen, let's talk a little bit more about that rally that we saw today in both the soybeans and the meal. I think it's important to differentiate what is driving things here. 
and, and this all started with the well, when when it first started differentiating itself with the February crop report, when USDA pushed ending stocks of soybeans up to up to 530 million bushels, uh, and because of a lowered export pace, yet the market closed higher that day. And one of the factors that was key to that has been in the soy mill story, and we talked about this last week. The fact that the farmer in Argentina is in much different circumstances. He has lots of soybeans in storage, um, but with very little incentive to sell those soybeans. And, in fact, he's doing a lot of his trading of buying things with soybeans rather than cash. That's because the the peso, their currency, has been falling very rapidly in value. The export tax on soybeans and soy products is ratcheting down a little bit each month. So every month that he waits, it goes up in value. And now with the drought story there, they're seeing prices on the Chicago Board of Trade go higher, giving him incentive to wait as well. Uh, eventually that will turn and he will have incentive to sell. That's not been the case yet, but as long as he's not selling, their crushing plants can't crush soybeans to produce soy meal to export, and Argentina is the number one exporter of soy meal in the world. So customers have been coming north to the United States to get their needs met. That has been pushing our soy meal supplies, or tightening our soy meal supplies, creating an incentive with higher soy meal prices to crush more soybeans, supporting soybean price. Here again, the drought is simply a contributor, not the underlying factor, foundational factor. Um, and so it's going to come down to eventually how small will the Argentine crop be? You know, will they still have enough old crop stocks to make up for it? Or will it be a legitimate shortfall? And until we know that, the funds are going to want to likely maintain some ownership in that complex. That's kind of the million-dollar question at this point, isn't it? Where we're going to see those numbers end up? It, it really is. The USDA originally was expecting a 56 million metric ton uh, crop. Um, <clears throat> when you look at where the estimates are now, USDA is down to 54. A lot of the private estimates around 50. Uh, I see reports from Argentina calling for the crop to be, uh, you know, around 40 million metric tons. It may end up there, but when you look at the weather data at this point, you look at the analog years, right now it would suggest a crop somewhere between 47 and 50. But when you also look back at what's actually happened in some past years, that reduction was even much smaller than that. So we have to sift through all the localized disaster stories and see what the big picture is. And we really can't say that it's a total disaster yet at this point. Well, stick around, folks. We do have more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As Arlen Suderman is joining us from FC Stone. We talk a little bit uh, of weather action. I know that producers that I know in the Southern Plains are optimistic. Is that the right word to use? That this rain forecast they're talking about will actually become a benefit for them. Arlen, you said that's had a, the discussion and the rain possibilities having an effect on the way the corn market's been trading. Well, wheat is a big, uh, a big lid on the corn market right now, kind of holding it down, kind of like an anchor because of the big supplies of feed wheat in the world looking for some bunk space if corn prices get too high. And uh, so when wheat has rallied 
that has allowed corn to rally, and I really like the long-term fundamentals for corn. Uh, but when wheat has fallen, particularly when it's fallen significantly, that has really held the corn market down. Uh, and, and that's what we saw today was weakness return to the wheat pit. Uh, as we look back, at, as we look toward, forward toward the weekend, we're seeing some chances of some rain. Uh, really across much of the Midwest, stretching down into the, the southeast southern plain. So we do expect that some wheat, particularly the southeastern quarter of the Plains Hardwood Winter Wheat Belt, will see some showers. Uh, the forecasters we work with, Commodity Weather Group, do not think that it will be a significant amount at this point. They think the bulk of the rain will be further to the east, but that's something we're going to have to watch closely in the days ahead as far as what the amounts are and what the actual placement is. Looking at, I know that they were talking um, earlier today about some projected livestock margins will be good when it comes to feed usage, which in turn is good for the corn. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, even the harsh winter that we've had this year certainly should end up eating, uh, using more feed as well. And so that's a real question is, is what's at uh, March 30? Well, this year it's a little bit early because of Good Friday holiday. So we're looking at, uh, I think, uh, actually the March 29th quarterly stocks report. What's it going to show as far as corn that's in all locations on March 1st in that report? Will it show that higher feed usage? I think that it will show a little higher feed usage. After all, when you're looking at beef production up 6% this year, pork production up 5%, poultry production up 2%, USDA doesn't have much of an increase in their feed usage number. So we are looking for that number to uh, that number to ratchet up a little bit more and pull ending stocks down. That still leaves us with ample stocks, but everything, every little bit that we ratchet it down starts to erode away at that big bearish cloud that's been hanging over the corn market and makes it that much easier should we get some type of a weather scare in the world uh, to get the funds involved in this market and give us some, uh, some pricing opportunities. Well, speaking of the livestock side, let's jump over to this cattle market. We saw more uh, strong buyer activity, though it was moderate to strong. Can this momentum keep up so we can keep some green on the screen for the cattle producer? Well, the real question and the real key here is that 126 level on the April contract. That is something that we've probed above a few times, but we've only been able to close above it once here over the past uh, three months, really going back since November. We've only been able to close above it once. We keep getting hammered down when we're up there. Uh, we have seen some encouraging signs in the demand side here, particularly over the last four to six weeks whenever the dollar has broken. That has given us a surge in export demand. Uh, right now we're at a little bit more of a tighter supply situation, and particularly this week, a uh, smaller show list and, and uh, smaller sales that we've seen here in the past week. It would seem to suggest that we will see cash trade unfold the equivalent of 126 or better this um, for the week. Um, that's what we're waiting to see. Um, this market is well supported, but I, I'm still reluctant to see that we can be able to sustain this um, because we've got some big meat supplies coming, and we're going to have to be able to sustain that demand or even strengthen that demand that's out there, and that means a weaker dollar. We've had some mixed numbers in the box beef as of well today. Really mixed. Oh, the one thing that's been disappointing to me has been the slower movement lately on the uh, spot daily market. Uh, and even as I look at total movement of beef, 
it has been somewhat sluggish and that's concerning to me as i said we've had the big surge in export uh at times over the last month so that makes me wonder just what's happening happening to domestic consumption uh and uh here again that's what raises flags for me longer term as far as being able to sustain prices or even sustain a rally what about for the hogs what are your thoughts i mean i know that they've had some some higher numbers as of well and some triple digit gains at one point yeah that's been a wild one late because we had the big liquidation here earlier in the month as the funds liquidated that kind of coincided with uh, the belly market collapsing we seem to have brought a little bit of stability back to the belly market now we're uh we're stabilizing the cash market although the cash market is now eroding a little bit uh, but we're bringing back a little bit of fund money sounds good arlen what's the best way for folks to reach out and talk to you some more INTLFCStone.com. All right. That is the Fontenelle final bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. And it's being brought to you by Fontenelle and your local Fontenelle dealers. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It is 2.32 here at 880 KRV, and we're keeping a close eye on another school shooting that has taken place. This is an active uh, shooting situation. They've, they shooter is still at large. This was in Parkland, Florida, uh, which is in Broward County, if you're familiar with Florida at all, it's which is way down in the uh, near the Everglades, kind of bordered by the other Everglades. Dade County is Miami. Broward County is just to the north of it. Parkland itself has about 26,000 people. The high school that the shooting has taken place uh, is, uh, we've heard different numbers, but a pretty large one and about 3,000 students is what they're saying. But uh, right now, uh, we have no further information about injuries. Uh, the watching it live on tv there have certainly been people taken out on stretchers and uh, there has certainly been some casualties and that people were hurt uh, we will just try to get more information on this at all certainly thoughts and prayers go out to the folks at parkland florida another school shooting taking place in america 